Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Ohan Ashe first went to a protest because she wanted to tell stories. She'd majored in journalism in college, and she grew up in Jennings, which is just outside Ferguson. When protesters filled the streets of North St. Louis County after the death of Michael Brown, she went there too as a videographer. Today, Ohan Ashe still tells stories, but she's now a frontline protester advocating for justice for her community. It is our duty to fight for our freedom! And that's Ohan leading a protest in Clayton on May 30th. And she also has created a website for the culture STL. It seeks to promote and support Black-owned businesses in St. Louis. Now, not surprisingly, those dual roles keep her busy these days. In fact, just last night, she was at the Florissant Police Department to demonstrate against police detective Joshua Smith. Smith was caught on video apparently hitting a man with a police SUV and then assaulting him while cuffing him. But Ohan's still made time to join us today. So, Ohana Shea, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you were in Florissant last night. How did that go? Oh, my goodness. The energy in Florissant is um, just so alive. I think people are tired of seeing these police tactics that are literally harming and brutalizing Black people. Um, So it was amazing to stand out there with people who are just saying enough is enough um, and are willing to put their feet on the ground um, to say no more. Was it a pretty big crowd that was out there last night? Yes, um, the numbers have been so amazing. Um, It's been so many people from so many different backgrounds. So do you see the conduct of Joshua Smith? Again, he's the police detective in Florissant. He's now been fired for what he did uh, to this man captured on this apparently like a, a, a doorbell type video where it was just mm-hmm. filming from somebody's house. Do you see what the Joshua Smith did as being the next big flashpoint here locally? Absolutely. Um I think that it is important to say that these sort of situations happen all of the time and most of them aren't captured. Um, It just so happens that this one was recorded on a ring doorbell or we would have never known this story as well. Um, So I think that it is just that next thing that highlights what is going on um, in police brutality, what is going on in the black community um, so that people can see that we aren't just making this up, that it is a real problem and it's something that we do need to solve. Do you think it helps at all um, that Florissant fired him so quickly? I honestly do not feel like they fired him quickly enough Hmm. Um, to watch that video is literally watching. He could have been the next name on the list of black people killed by the police. It easily could have went that route. That video is hard to watch. I mean, it, it was an ugly, ugly situation for that man being cuffed and assaulted there. Yes. 
Um, and that is the reality for so many black people. Um, that is something that we see in our communities all of the time. So it is time for that culture change to happen to when incidences ha like this happen and occur, the officer should be automatically fired. It should not take that long um, to quote unquote investigate when you see something on video that horrendous. What would you like to see happen in Florissant now? You know, they fired this officer, um, but as, as you've made clear, that's not good enough. What could they do going forward to restore your trust in that department? Well, this officer needs to be charged um, and convicted. That was brutality at its finest. And if anybody else was doing that. If I was to hit somebody with my car to do um, make an arrest or to do anything, I would be charged right now. Mm -hmm. And they need to be held to that same standard. So bigger picture, we were talking a bit there about fluorescent, but I know there's so much more that you have been protesting about and that is on your agenda these days. Um, I want to go back to the beginnings of your involvement in this movement. You've said that you started going to protest in 2014 as a, quote, participant observer. When did that change for you? So I started out as just media being out there um, in Ferguson. Um, and it wasn't until the Jason Stockley protest that I really started in the organizing world more. Um, and I just felt like for so long, I had been telling the stories of other people, um, uplifting the voices of other people. And I thought it would just be important for me um, now somebody that has witnessed, that has been to protests, that has been to the community meetings, that has shown up um, to have something to say and to put on that organizing hat in an attempt to find justice for Black people as well. Now, we journalists, we've historically been taught to be neutral. And I know you studied journalism and videography at Southeastern Missouri State. Was it hard to drop that pretext of objectivity and say, hey, you know what? Like, here's what's important to me. Here's what I'm fighting for. Absolutely. I don't even think it stuck too long. Um, just trying to be neutral and just trying to show what was going on out there. Because what we were seeing was um, the media replaying the same um, looting and burning. And when I was going out there, I was just like, that's not what's happening. It's a bigger hmm. picture to all of this. Um, so that's why I started documenting. And that's why I just wanted to show the side of the people because I felt like the reporting was unjust. Hmm. So when you went out there to document this and to um, to take video from the scene, you weren't just going out there to sort of neutrally regurgitate what was happening. You had a point of view that that other people's point of view weren't adequately explaining what was happening right there in your community. Yes, I thought that it was so important um, to use the platform that I had to just uplift the voices, to speak for what was going on and showcase in real time what was happening. And so you say then with those Stockley protests, and this was in 2017, it was, um, of course, mm -hmm. the former St. Louis uh, police officer. He was charged with murder um, for, you know, the, the prosecutor said that he had basically just executed the suspect um, and then maybe dropped a gun on him to make it look like, uh, you know, this was a guy who was asking for it. He was found yeah. not guilty. People took to the streets. You said that's when you really crossed over to that entirely there as an activist role. What kind of role mm -hmm. did you play in those protests? 
So I always call myself the sixth player. Um, I am willing to do whatever that is. If it is um, making the flyers for the protest, if it is leading a march, if it is chanting, if it is live streaming so people can watch in, um, no matter what position I need to play, I will play it. <laughs> that probably makes you a pretty valuable member of uh, <laughs> these groups setting up these protests. I would, I would hope so. But everybody, every piece, even if you are just coming out to support, you are so valuable because we couldn't make this point, the points that we are trying to make without the support of the people. Has the role that you play, has that shifted then from 2017 to what's happening right now as St. Louis is again taking to the streets? I don't think it has shifted too much. Um, it is still just the role of whatever I can do um, to help. I am trying to uh, uplift my own voice a little bit more because what people do not understand about me is that I am super shy. <laughs> um, I don't like speaking out much, but when you have something as passionate as this on your heart, I just think it's important to uplift it. It's interesting you say you're you're super shy because, you know, hearing your voice in that audio clip from the field there, I mean, man, you are just dynamic as you're leading those chants. Was that hard for you to to sort of find that voice to to speak out with there when you when you've got so many people there in front of you following you? Yes, um, because with that, you also have to be very careful with what you are saying. Um, you want to make the correct points. Um, and sometimes it is a lot of pressure. You have a lot of people watching you, listening to you, and you want to inspire and you want to motivate. Um, but it can just also be a lot. I remember in some of the first protests I started to organize, I literally used to hand the mic to my friends and just ask them, like, can you lead? Can you chant? Because I'm afraid. Um, so it has been a lot of growth since then, but it is a lot of pressure at the same time. So you're handing off the mic to your friends. Uh, did they just have to push it back to you and say, you take this one? I mean, how did you get to that point where, where now you're leading? I think that it just got to a point where I had to recognize that my voice mattered as well. And I used to be so afraid of having the right words to say or making sure that I sounded a certain way or that I, I, I sounded educated or had the right words. So that was the fear that I was holding within myself. And I had to realize that I was holding myself back and that that testimony in itself might push the next person, might get the next generation to understand that you don't have to have the perfect words. You don't have to say it 100% correct. All you have to do is be genuine and passionate when you are speaking, and that's all you need. Hmm. Now, people who've been watching these protests for a while, they might also recognize you by a different name. That's the name you were bored with, which is uh, Lachelle. I, I'm going to mispronounce your last name. Eichren Coder, is that right? You got it right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I got to thank our producers. They leave me good notes. Um, now, I understand you still answer to that, but now you, you go by yes. Ohan Ashe. What inspired you to, to take on that new name? So I felt like as I was transitioning um, throughout Ferguson up until now that Lachelle Akron which I love my mom, um, but it just didn't feel like it 
fit me in this role as much because I felt like I was transitioning as a person um, as well. Ohun um, is a Yoruba tribe name that means the voice and I say mm. is to be. Um, and as I said, it took me a long time to find my voice. So when I am out in the protest, when I am doing community work, I always want to remind myself to be that voice, um, to inspire myself to be that voice. So it just fit me more for this. So the name almost makes you feel um, even more of that boldness that, that you're growing into. Yes, it's like reaffirming myself. We're talking today to protest organizer Ohun Ashe, and she just explained the, the sort of fascinating um, story on why she took that name. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. Welcome back. We're talking today to Ohun Ashe. She's been instrumental in organizing protests in St. Louis. And she's also behind the website for the Culture STL. That's an online directory of Black-owned businesses. And Ohun, I want to talk to you about that website in a minute. But one other question relating more directly to your history as a, a protester and this growing sense of activism. I understand you were arrested in Ferguson about four days into the protests there. And, and that's at a time when you were still there more as almost a participant observer. As you've described it, what happened that night? So that was the day that um, a lot of folks from the media were arrested. So back, like you said, at that time, I was just a participant, just observing what was going on out there. Um, and it was this elderly man on crutches. And this was back when West Florissant was blocked for miles. Mm -hmm. And you had to walk a long way to get um, to the protest. And it was an elderly man on crutches who was just trying to get home. And he was telling officers that his house was just right there. And he literally did not have the ability to walk a mile up the street, around the corner to come back down. Mm -hmm. um, so as he was turning back around, he was like violently arrested, pulled to the ground by this blue lanyard that he had on his neck. <sighs> um, and I, for me, um, that was just, an awakening moment to how people can be treated. So as I stood there still recording, um, officers then walked up and told us to move back. I was at the same line um, as other media and we told them our rights and we knew that we had the right to record. And right after that, they arrested me. Um, they had guns to my head, uh, my hands behind my back trying to break my camera. Um, and that for me was that first experience um, in just a piece of the brutality. Um, I felt less than human. Mm -hmm. And I just understood that everything um, the people in my community were saying, um, it, it, it's like you just did not matter. And that was almost like a switch for me um, from just participating to now knowing that it was a real story and truth to be told. Hmm. So they arrested you. They took you away. Did they ever bring, um, you know, more formal charges against you for that? 
No, the charges ended up being dropped um, and nothing ever proceeded with that. Hmm. So they just wanted you out of there. They didn't want you to be recording what was going on and... Exactly. They they want to cover up those tactics as much as possible. Um, But that only pushes people to tell their story more. That's exactly what happened with me. Yeah, it sounds like that was not at all a moment that made you think, oh, you know what, I better not go out there anymore. You had just the opposite (laughs) reaction. Exactly. (laughs) So in addition to the work you have where you are marching the streets and and leading these chants and and helping to organize these protests, you also have this website. This is called For the Culture STL. How do you see your work with that site fitting into the activism that you do on the streets? Well, this site became exactly from the activism um, that I've been doing. I started this site uh, shortly after the Jason Stockley protests started to slow down, um, just to be a way to uplift black businesses in our community, as well as um, push back on the narrative that we don't have events and things going on in our community. And I just thought it would be perfect to have this comprehensive space um, to uplift black businesses and to uplift black events in our community. So you set this up, when was it that you first launched the site? The site launched on April 1st of 2018. Okay, and so what kind of response uh, did it initially get? In the first month, we had already had over 20,000 views um, and had been viewed in almost 40 of the 50 states. Wow. Um, The response was unbelievable. It was bigger than I even thought it could be. Um, This was very specific. This was for black people in the St. Louis region. Um, So to see basically the world watch this website grow, to have support, um, from the world for this website was just, I mean, mind-blowing. Do you have any idea how they were finding this website? Like, was it being shared through social media or more that they were Googling some some key terms of what you were covering? So it was by the, the initial jump um, and influx of the website was word of mouth through <laughs> social media. Um, we didn't have any special sort of branding, no special marketing. It was just from the people sharing. And I think that is a testament to the power that we hold as people. Hmm. Now, so many people who maybe never gave a thought to Black-owned businesses or, frankly, to the Black experience um, in in the last month or so are starting to pay some attention to this issue. I'm wondering if that's given any sort of boost to your site. The site has had an extreme influx in these last few weeks with Mm -hmm. the protest um, because I think a lot of people realize that it's not just one avenue. Um, When we are talking about humanity and justice for black lives, it takes multiple things. And black people being able to be economically stable is just as important as well. So it has been a huge push on the website, and I am just so amazed and appreciative for it. So you've got, um, as you say, you um, you share and highlight events that might be of interest to people in the black community. You've also got sort of a directory of black-owned businesses. What does somebody have to do um, to qualify for being included um, in that directory? So the directory is 100% free 
All they have to do is email me at fortheculturestl at gmail.com. I will just send them what I actually need, um, a picture, a description, a link to their website, because this isn't just housed for, for the culture. We link people directly to them because it's for them. Um, and it's just as simple as that, just being a Black-owned business in the St. Louis region. Hmm. Now, you say you had uh, grown up in Jennings. I'm wondering if you have um, Black-owned businesses you remember going to as a kid that are sort of on your mind as, as you work on this project, just some favorites through the years, whether they're still around um, and, and still going strong. So my mom actually was a teacher and worked at a black owned business called Kirkwood Cleaners. Hmm. Um, And I just remember um, the safety I felt every time she took me um, to her job with her, the community that came in to Kirkwood. And I mean, I was a young child at this time. Um, and the people that were coming in, um, the familiar, the being familiar with the people coming in, it was almost like a family. Hmm. And I feel like that is the reason why I have this um, passion for uplifting black businesses, because it's more than just the economic side of it. It's the comfort of walking into a business and seeing someone that looks like you. It is the comfort of walking in and talking to someone that shares the experiences that you share, of just having that moment of that community and unity. Um, So Kirkwood Cleaners is definitely um, instilled in my heart um, every time I do anything for black businesses. Hmm. And are they still open today? They are not. Mm. That's that's too bad to hear. But I like to to hope that with the work you're doing, you could maybe prevent the next Kirkwood cleaners from having to shut their doors. There's, there's there is some symmetry there. Yes, it is exactly that. Just um, keeping these businesses stable, um, just uplifting their names, because these aren't just big name black businesses that are on his website. These are small businesses that are funded or or just housed on social media that do their work from Facebook and Instagram. But it's just a, a way to uplift them and keep them in the know so people can find them as well. We're talking to Ohan Ashe, who's both a protester and one of the protest organizers here in St. Louis. And she's also behind the website for the Culture STL, which has a great directory of Black-owned businesses. Now, Ohan, as much as this website is a very serious undertaking, um, there's something on it that I will admit it really made me laugh. You sell a T-shirt on this site that has (laughs) an amazing picture of you. And you're you're there in this photo on this T-shirt with a scowling white woman. And you Mm -hmm. are throwing such shade in in your face in this photo. And the shirt says, Aw, I thought a racist had something to say. What is the backstory on this photo? Oh wow. So um this is a woman that I have a lot of history with and it started at that moment. So this was a special council meeting um, that was happening in Richmond Heights. This was after the 2017 um Galleria protest. So I don't know if people remember, but it was when um, we were protesting in a Galleria and the police um, just like really violently arrested a lot of people who were just protesting and it was very peaceful. It wasn't 
um, any violence happening at all. Until the so police came. I mean, people have described exactly. <laughs> that day as a police riot. A state legislator said that because she felt that the police were just so aggressive in, in tackling yes. people. And yeah, yes. so that was that protest. Um, yes. And, and then, they were they were um, deciding almost a year later to charge the people who were arrested. And they were having a special counsel meeting about that. So we had, of course, the protesters who were out there at the meeting. And then, of course, we had the police and police supporters at the meeting. And every single time that a protester stood up to just talk to the council board about how they were feeling, this lady would just just blurt out. She would just throw this temper tantrum. So I got up and I sat next to her to really just understand what her issue was and what the problem was. And um, she actually started talking to her friend next to her, calling me out of my name. Um, She took a photo of me very quickly, um, put it in some police support group and said, who is this B word? Oh, my goodness. Um, And Yes. And at that moment is when the picture was taken because I was just so just dumbfounded on why this lady was being like this. And that just started our history. <laughs> That's uh, wow. That is quite a backstory. And I got to say, mm-hmm. I think other people might have taken that incident and maybe not poked fun at it. Like they might have been just genuinely angry that this woman was was being so rude mm-hmm. to you. Uh, do you feel like humor is a good tool against bigotry? I think that for Black folks, especially, whatever we have to do to find joy. Um, in these circumstances and in in these situations are important because I was very upset at the moment, Mm. um, but you cannot let that overpower you or overtake you. So it's definitely important to just find some humor, find some joy. So now I can look back at that photo and just laugh at that moment. But at the time, it was not funny. So you've kind of reclaimed that moment by sort of putting a, a sarcastic spin on it. Yes. It's a it's a great t-shirt. I got to say, if people feel like a real conversation starter, you can find that on For the Culture <laughs> STL. It's a uh, it stop me in my tracks. Um, but on a more serious note, um, these protests have now happened nearly every day in St. Louis for the past two weeks. And I know there's a, a number of different groups that have organized different protests. And um, but, you know, you're right there in the thick of things. Do you ever give yourself permission to just take a night off, do some self-care? I have learned to give myself that space. Um, Especially in 2017, we were organizing protests literally every single day. And that's not including that I was still working. Um, That's not including that we had to actually organize the protest. So hours and hours of meeting and talking through things, um, protesting itself. Um, And now when we fast forward to now, it's all of these same things on top of having for the culture, um, on top of having to list these businesses and keep the site updated. I have had to learn um, to allow myself some space to just breathe, to feel, to take some self-care. And just as organizers and expect us, we definitely want people um, to take that time for self-care and just remember that in this fight, you still have to, you have to be mentally, 
physically and emotionally healthy. Mm -hmm. So with all these protests and so many people on the streets, does this moment feel different to you than 2014 and, and 2017? It feels a lot different. Um, it's almost more liberating and just more freeing from what we've seen in the past because it's more accepted. I just remember in 2014 and even in 2017, all of the backlash from protests, all of the resistance people had towards protesting. Um, and to see all 50 states coming together to protest, to see people uplifting folks who are protesting, um, even if it's not for them, um, it is just this, this magnetic feeling of progress of not having to spend so much time trying to get people to understand, but being able to focus on the issues at hand. And do you think that's in part because of the work you put in in 2014 and in 2017, that that people have, have a greater understanding of these issues, that what's going on right now builds on that work? Yes, I think it's all a ripple effect. I think that Ferguson basically opened up the new protest um, wave that we've seen when we see injustice. And it faced a lot of criticism. It was, it was new for our generation. And then you fast forward to just over the years, there has been so many protests in different states and different countries. And every single time you see more understanding, you see more people just being fed up. You see that black stories are now just being able to be believed um, up until now where you've seen the story of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery that is just, you can't ignore it anymore. Um, and I think people are just more open um, to accepting and more open to wanting to fight back um, for black lives. And where do you think we go from here? What do you see as the next step in this movement? I think that um, one of the most important demands that we have just as a united front is defunding the police, um, getting those policy changes, that legislative change, um, getting resources into underserved communities, um, getting educational programs, like really focusing on the issues. Now that we see that there is a cause for protest, it is time to get real effective change going. Well, Ohan Ashe, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.